welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the second episode, the first of 2022, making it the Stoffel Van Dorn episode, as he is the last driver to sport the number two. I maybe uh, gave Max some bad juju, uh, naming the last episode after him, but after all, he is wearing number one, so I guess that's his fault, but we'll get into Max and Red Bull uh, in, in a moment. First of all, uh, I want to review this Bahrain race, the first of 2022, of course. Um, and personally, I loved it. I loved that race. I think 2022 regs have done exactly what they what they hoped. All the drivers said that they seemed like they were able to follow a lot closer, which I mean is exactly what you want. I think it was Magnussen who said in the post-race show, that overtaking is actually not easier, although you can follow closer, but the slipstream effect is much less powerful. So he said the racing is better, yet it hasn't made overtaking too easily. So I'm pretty sure that's what Kevin said in the post-race show, which I thought was very interesting. Um, And I think it's uh, basically setting a great precedent for this season. And I I can't wait to watch the rest of it. But of course, let's get into the race winner, Charles Leclerc. He wins the race. Didn't put a foot wrong. Unbelievable race from him. Personally, I I voted for Kevin Magnussen for driver of the day. But that's only because I knew Leclerc would win it. I thought it would be a cool moment if Kevin somehow did squeak out driver of the day. But, you know, Leclerc deserved it. He was phenomenal right from the beginning of qualifying to the end of the race. Uh, his maneuvers on Max Verstappen, his decision-making, I guess I should say, um, to break early, let Max break late into the corner, get a great exit uh, off of turn two and get DRS into turn four and retake the lead because it's so much harder to overtake in every other part of the track. He he nailed it. And I think that was from the experience of the 2019 Bahrain Grand Prix when he he led the race up until his engine basically failed him uh, and Lewis Hamilton pounced on the chance to win the race. But um, yeah, Leclerc uh, also picked up his first hat trick of his career. His, his only other two wins were the 2019 Belgian Grand Prix and uh, the, the race right after that, he picked up his two first wins back to back, obviously a memorable moment in Monza when he won the Italian Grand Prix in a red car, of course. I think a lot of you will probably remember that. So this was his third win, but his first hat trick, he put the car in pole, picked up fastest lap, and of course won the race. Um, Great news for Ferrari, as Carlos Sainz made it a Ferrari 1-2, the first time they've done that since Singapore 2019 with Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc. Uh, Leclerc finished P2 in that one as Vettel, of course, won the race. And a uh, funny little piece of irony is that the last time Ferrari scored a 1-2 in Bahrain was in 2010, and they shared the podium with Lewis Hamilton, who of course rounded out the top three this year as well, uh, with a bit of fortune, but we're going to get into Red Bull a little later. Uh, George Russell was P4, Kevin Magnussen with a Viking comeback, as Gunther Steiner called it over the team radio. P5 for Haas. I mean, wow, I think Haas might be one of the one of the fan favorites this year. I would I, I was absolutely loving that they have got back to being competitive 
Last year, it was sad seeing them in 19th and 20th, three seconds off the pace at times, and of course, Magnussen just jumping right back in that car, and I don't want to say making Schumacher look bad, but wow, like that was incredible. Just, he didn't even get Barcelona testing, and he's already P5. Yes, of course, with a bit of luck to top drivers, uh, not finishing the race, but wow, like I just... I'm a loss for words at Haas finishing P5 in a race. That's more points in one race for the team than the past two seasons combined. They scored zero in 2021 and three, I believe, in 2020. That's incredible. And I think even in 2019, they only scored like 20-something. So, I mean, a couple more races like that, and they've blown away what they've done in the past three years. So... I couldn't be more happy for Haas and for Kevin. That was awesome. And that's why I, of course, voted Kevin for my driver of the day. But, you know, Leclerc did deserve it. Anyways, moving on to P6. Valtteri Bottas with an impressive sixth place for Alfa Romeo. Who, if it weren't for his bad start, I think could have been fighting for a podium. Of course, Mercedes took those P3 and P4 spots. Who's to say Valtteri wouldn't be battling with uh, the guy who replaced him or even Lewis Hamilton? Alpha looks really quick, and he qualified right next to them. Obviously, Russell had a bit of a shocker on his last qualifying lap, but I think he easily could have been up there with Kevin at the very least. Um, I mean, I guess he was because of the safety car, but... Yeah, a great battle back through the midfield, and I think that's what a lot of people were worried about with Valtteri. Um, in the Mercedes, sometimes when he started off slow, it took him much longer than Lewis or Max would. Not that Lewis and Max were ever in the midfield very often, but it seemed like he struggled to uh, get... Well, I guess Perez is a great uh, benchmark for that because everyone knows how good Sergio Perez's racecraft is. And he seemed to cut through the midfield a lot better than uh, Bottas did in the Mercedes. But, you know, I think Valtteri put up a great, great race, honestly, and uh, scored big points for Alpha, um, double points, as Zhou Guan Yu also picked up a P10. But um, let's work our way down here. Uh, P7 was Esteban Ocon. Uh, P8 was the only Red Bull powertrains driver to finish the race, Yuki Sonoda. P9, uh, Fernando Alonso giving Alpine double points. And, of course, as I already mentioned, Zhou Guan Yu with P10. With, honestly, a very mature drive uh, to give Alpha double points as well. Um, I'm going to talk about Zhou a little later as well. Um, but let's break down the constructors. Uh, after one race, we have Ferrari leading Mercedes. In third, we have Haas. Uh, I still I can't believe I'm saying that. P4 is Alfa Romeo, which is honestly almost equally as shocking. Uh, followed by Alpine, Alfa Tori, and then the zero-point scorers, who are Aston Martin, Williams, McLaren, and Red Bull. So, like I said, we're going to talk about some Red Bull. Um, I think now is a good time to do that. <laughs> Ending off with their 10th in the Constructors' Championship after one race. Of course, it is only one race, but um, I, that is... That is still quite something to say Red Bull is in 10th at any point in the season. So yeah, now uh, let's talk about this double DNF. After looking so promising heading into the weekend and all throughout the race, I, I actually personally had money 
on Max Verstappen claiming pole position and winning the race. Both had to hit for me to make money. Um, of course, both of them didn't hit, and Leclerc was actually the guy I should have bet on, but hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, and in last week's podcast, I said Red Bull looks like the strongest car, and I think Max Verstappen is probably the strongest driver in Formula 1. So there's no reason why you shouldn't win this Grand Prix. Of course, I stopped myself and said, well, you know, anything can happen in Formula 1. I shouldn't say that. And I also probably should have realized that we had no idea who was the strongest team going into this with all the new regulations. So I shouldn't have just expected Red Bull to be better than Ferrari. They actually looked pretty equal, which I think is very promising for an exciting season, especially if Mercedes can bring some upgrades, figure out their uh, demons, I guess, and uh, join that and make a three-way fight. That would be awesome. But I think um, the highlight of the race was probably Max Verstappen's epic battles with Charles Leclerc. Um, Like I said, Charles was extremely smart in what he did with the DRS, making sure he was always in the lead going into, um, well, going onto the pit straight and giving Max the lead into turn one so he could reclaim the DRS and pass him into turn four and then obviously the rest of the lap a lot harder to overtake. Um, But what was very interesting about um, the Red Bull strategy, I guess, is they tried two different undercuts and um, both times closed a like two, three second gap um, with that undercut. And it wasn't as if Red Bull's uh, pit crew, as they usually are very dominant, was just going way quicker than Ferrari. In fact, Ferrari's pit stops seemed like they were on it that race. And Red Bull was was solid in terms of time, but um, they did make a mistake as reports um, came out. But I'm going to I'm gonna touch on that a little later as well. Um, so Max comes out right behind Leclerc both times. And... Well, I guess, actually, this reminds me, a three-stop strategy, I don't remember that being a thing at all last year. Of course, Bahrain is tough on the tires, but yeah, three stops, that is just crazy to think about, and I don't know if I want to see that moving forward. Um, I like the one-stop versus the two-stop, maybe that's because I'm one of what I'm used to, but um, yeah, three stops is mind-boggling. Um, anyways, Max comes out right behind Charles, and the second time was very upset i can't exactly quote what he said um but it was something along the lines of that is twice now that i've taken it easy on the outlap as uh their team uh, requested he do to take care of his tires and not uh, ruin them at the very beginning of the stint he says that's two times i've gone slow on the outlap now and when i could have had the lead i'm never ever doing that again he was very upset and believes that he really could have claimed the lead if he had pushed on his outlap and tried to complete the undercut instead of just taking it easy. And um, yeah, and Leclerc came out right in front of him both times. So if he did push a little harder, I feel like he probably would have taken the lead. Um, But that was not all uh, Max was complaining about on the radio. He was complaining a lot during that race. Uh, At the beginning, a little bit about his tires and... um, and other things, but at the end, um, about a lot of things, uh, after the third stop, Max said something about the steering being out of whack, uh, and reports came out saying that during that pit stop, the the one right before, 
a front push rod on the Red Bull car was bent. So obviously that is what connects the wheel to the, the chassis, I guess. I'm not a mechanic, but it connects the wheels to the chassis. So of course that is going to play a huge part on your steering. And I mean, I think he fared pretty well considering he had a bent push rod. It's pretty impressive actually, if you think about it. Um, but yeah, he kept saying something was wrong. Red Bull crew had no idea what it was. Then the full safety car comes out for, for Gasly's engine barbecue. Um, and it comes out early enough to not hurt Leclerc. Max hadn't like regained a huge gap and then Leclerc had to pit. So it was pretty soon after he was able to get a cheap pit stop. Doesn't really affect the order. Um, so Leclerc obviously still in P1, fresh tires. Verstappen basically still on fresh tires at this point. Um, and the safety car restart, some have said they think it's something to do with Max's steering, but I think the approach he took to the restart, um, I think he got caught out by Leclerc, and Leclerc was, again, very smart to kind of cut him off into the into turn one and give Max a terrible angle for the exit onto the straight because Sainz in P3 almost overtakes Max into turn one. Um, he, he Max was lucky enough to stay ahead, though, and the top six order I don't think changed at all after after the restart. I don't know how far back there was to actually see a change. Um, I, I'm not actually sure about that, but I know the top six, I think, stayed um, the exact same. And for these, this final stint of the race, Sainz was on Max's tail, Hamilton in P5 on Perez's tail in P4. Both Red Bulls seemed to be struggling. They were pulling away um, earlier in the race, but now all of a sudden, they, they're not pulling away. They're actually not even breaking DRS. And uh, Max was kind of... Well, actually, he got overtaken. He was complaining during that last stint. He gets overtaken um, by signs um, in the second DRS zone, or I guess, sorry, third DRS zone. And um, a few corners later, he's complaining about the battery. They say it's not a battery issue. It's not terminal. Um, we're not sure what we can do. And literally one corner later on the pit straight, or actually, no, it was it was the straight beforehand, sorry. Max gets overtaken by the top, the top teams, I guess. Gets overtaken by his teammate, overtaken by the Mercedes, and pulls into the pits. That's his race. Um, apparently was a fuel pump issue. Um, a tragic end for the world champion who honestly had a great race. Was very entertaining with Leclerc. Um, and I think a lot of people with that safety car thought, oh, here we go. Max is going to steal this win from Leclerc. And that's obviously not at all what happened. So one lap later, Perez reports he's losing power with Hamilton behind into turn one. On the final lap, the engine cuts out leaving Perez's car motionless on the track. Hamilton has to go around him. Russell go around him. Basically, the entire field has to go around Perez, who's facing the other way into turn one. And that's it for Red Bull. Um, obviously, I mentioned Gasly um, had a bit of an engine barbecue. I think it was an electronics failure. So that makes three DNFs for the Red Bull powertrain cars. And with Jetta coming up, being a power-hungry circuit, and... Also less than a week away. It's not like they have a couple weeks off till Jetta. It's this Sunday. Uh, Red Bull has some serious work to do to ensure that that doesn't happen again. And uh, if, yeah, if they don't, they're gonna 
be really on the back foot, even trying to catch Mercedes, who they just consistently put these um, together and be reliable. Red Bull's got to continuously find reliability and beat Mercedes uh, race after race after race if they want to contend and beat them uh, in the Constructors' Championship. Of course, I, I, it's a long season. I really do believe that Red Bull is going to sort this out, and I would be shocked if they didn't beat Mercedes in the Constructors this year. But um, that's that's the challenge that they got ahead of them. Um, and speaking of Mercedes, uh, we're going to talk about Mercedes power. I think that's a huge talking point right now, um, especially with Jetta coming up. Like I said, a very power-hungry circuit. Um, if you take out the DNFs of the three Red Bull powertrain cars, the bottom six for almost the entire race was the Mercedes customer teams of Williams, Aston Martin, and McLaren, who had an absolute shocker. Uh, they did all finish the race, unlike Red Bull. However, the pace of those three teams was very far off. Uh, Mercedes themselves finished third and fourth, of course, but before the safety car, they were miles behind Red Bull and Ferrari, almost about half a minute. Um, with new rules, I know the teams, they have to uh, freeze their engines now. I'm not sure if that's already happened. I know they had to hand in something. I, I don't think it was the engines. I think it was like their, their blueprints or something like that. Um, so I'm not really sure how much they're going to be able to work on the engines and upgrade the engines. Um, but Mercedes, if, if they're not able to make some changes to the engine, they, they maybe are in trouble. Uh, I don't know. Maybe does Mercedes have the worst engine? I think right now, if people were to make an engine power ranking, I think people would probably put Mercedes last. I, I, I'm not sure if that's actually the case though. You know, Williams has always been very poor. They had the best engine um, of the, I guess, turbo hybrid era, if you want to call it that. Basically, the Mercedes era. They had a Mercedes engine for the back half of it, and they were honestly horrible for the back half of that era. So, I mean, to have them in last, is that really that surprising? McLaren, it seems, um, reports have said that they, the issues for them are aerodynamics and brakes, so I don't think the engine is what's hindering them. I think it's some other uh, weird issues that also hindered them in the Bahrain test. And then as for Aston Martin, who's to say they just didn't, they just missed the mark? Who's to say that they just didn't um, nail the regulations like some of the other teams like Alpha or Haas have? Um, it's, it's really just going to be a, like, time will tell if this actually is an engine issue or a coincidence. Um... Aston did also have a reserve driver, and then Lance Stroll, who, hey, he's a Canadian. I'm always going to cheer for him. Same with Nicholas Latifi. Although, um, being, um, I guess, objective about it, I don't think they're the strongest drivers on the grid. So, a strong driver can um, extract the most from a bad car. And, you know, I don't think Lance or Nicholas, for that matter, are, are the best drivers on the grid. So, I don't know. I don't want to hold that performance against Lance. I do think Aston Martin is seriously lacking pace. But, you know, Lance was outqualified by his reserve teammate who had no no testing whatsoever. So I think that uh, that says really a lot about Lance, unfortunately. Um, all right, well, let's get into uh, 
something a little more fun, a segment that uh, wasn't on the last podcast because there were no races yet. So after each race, um, this little segment I'm going to get into uh, called Prize, Demise, and Surprise. Uh, It's going to be basically me picking out the best team or driver of the weekend, the prize, uh, the worst team or driver of the weekend, that is Demise, of course, and then something that has just been um, the biggest surprise. Um, I'm not going to necessarily pick a driver or a team for that. Um, For example, something, I I didn't pick this, but I could have been very surprised by the three-stop strategy, or I could have been very surprised by how good the racing was, or um, the amount of overtakes or something along those lines. Um, but I also could very well pick a team or a driver as the biggest surprise as well. So I'm going to note those three things after every single race. And I guess I can just get right into what my picks were for Bahrain. I think the prize has to go to Ferrari, but I I will also include their customers, Haas and Alfa Romeo, all the Ferrari powered teams were sensational. I mean, I don't think you could have, obviously Ferrari finished first, you can't aim any higher than that, first and second. I think Haas would have absolutely taken P5. Sure, their other driver didn't score points, but if you're going to tell me Haas finished P5, I think any Haas fan, Haas themselves, would have taken it. Alfa Romeo, double points, rookie driver scores points. They looked very quick in qualifying. I think if you told them their result before the race, they would have absolutely taken that too. Haas and Alpha were bottom feeder teams last year, 9th and 10th, and now they look like the top of the midfield. It's only one race, but incredible, incredible performance from the Ferrari-powered teams. Uh, The Demise, I've been pretty hard on Red Bull already this episode, so I'm going to give the Demise to the whole of the McLaren team. That was... uh, a shocking performance from McLaren. I think a lot of teams or a lot of fans, sorry, going into the season was hoping that maybe we'd get a four-way fight. Um, We all assumed Red Bull and Mercedes would still be there. Ferrari had a lot of hype for obvious reasons, as we see now. And McLaren was that fourth team that we thought, well, at the very, at the very worst, they're, they're, they'll be best of the rest. But, you know, hopefully they can take a step forward and maybe win some races on merit. Um, in the Barcelona test, everything was looking good. I mentioned last episode, um, during the uh, the during the Barcelona test, uh, George Russell mentioned that there's a certain orange and a certain red team that look very quick. That orange team was, of course, McLaren. There is no other orange team, so he obviously was referring to McLaren who had a very good Barcelona test, and everything just went south as soon as they got to Bahrain, which I don't think anyone uh, was able to um, predict, I think. I think that is absolutely shocking how bad they were. Ricardo and Norris running 18th and 20th for, like, the whole first half of the race, and I think the only... I think the only two people they finished ahead of, besides the DNFs, of course, were Nico Hulkenberg and Nicholas Latifi. And I think they were aiming a lot higher than that going into the season if I were to uh, predict or assume what McLaren was aiming for going into the season. I don't think they were aiming to uh, to uh, finish basically third and fourth last. So, yeah, just an awful, awful day for McLaren. 
I've been told that they're really struggling in slow speed corners and uh, Bahrain does have a lot of those so maybe we'll see uh, a little bit better of a performance for McLaren um, in Jetta but with the Mercedes power uh, issue potentially looming who's to say that they're going to struggle or get better there no, nobody really knows it's still so early um, anyway, I spent a lot of time talking about McLaren's demise there. I'm sorry for McLaren fans, uh, but now my surprise, I am going to give it to a driver and that driver is Zhou Guan Yu. Um, I think a lot of people were upset about Zhou Guan Yu, uh, grabbing that Alfa Romeo seat. Uh, obviously a pay driver, pay drivers are pretty controversial and, uh, they always start out on like a very unlikable um, foot, I guess, if you will. Um, and it always rubs people the wrong way right away. And you don't even get to kind of get a feel for who the guy is, how good he is. And I think he just put together in a really mature drive, um, and got himself to a position that, um, earned him one point when two drivers had some misfortune, you know, of course, Red Bull had reliability issues, but even say two two drivers collided. You know, Joe was in that position to earn a point based on that misfortune, and I don't think you could say, "Oh, well, he was lucky because you know he had a great drive." He he's in a quick car, of course. He um, wasn't quite on Valtteri's pace, but nobody was expecting you to. I don't think if Teo Porcher or Oscar Piastri occupied that seat, I don't think people would be expecting them to be. Um, this on the same pace as Bottas right away either. So I, I honestly was super, super impressed by Joe. I think I maybe even got caught up myself uh, in the whole he's a paid driver thing. He's he's not going to be great. And we just saw a pretty, pretty poor rookie season from Nikita Mazepin, who is also a paid driver. Um, so I think we had somewhat low expectations for Joe, and he 100% ex- exceeded them. So he's my surprise. Uh, great drive, and I can't wait to see um, his progress throughout the season. Now, for Jetta, I will make my predictions. Um, uh, the last thing that I'm going to do here on this episode. So in Saudi, I I believe Max Verstappen will get redemption for his missed pull last year, his little blunder going into the wall in the last corner. So I really think, like, honestly, that lap last year was going to be one of the best qualifying laps, maybe beyond, probably the best the best lap after George Russell's lap at Spa. I think we can all agree that that was probably the most impressive qualifying lap of the season. But after that, it would have been Max Verstappen's pole lap in Saudi Arabia that, of course, amounted to P3 after a huge blunder at the last corner. But yeah, I see him getting redemption, putting it on pole. However, I got Charlie Leclerc winning again, taking a commanding lead in the Drivers' Championship. And I got I still got Max P2, but I'm going to go a bit off the wall here and say P3 will be Valtteri Bottas. You can call me crazy. I don't have a Mercedes, I don't have Perez, and I don't have Sainz. I think Sainz is probably the favorite for a podium, seeing Ferrari's pace, but I'm going with Bottas. I think he's gonna just like I well, I think the Ferrari cars, the Ferrari powered cars are gonna be very strong at this circuit. And 
Bottas has always been a great qualifier. So this is the type of lap that if you don't nail that first sector, um, you're going to to lose time. And in the end, Bottas and Sainz, they got that same engine in their car for the rest of the lap, which is mostly just an engine, um, I guess a power-hungry second sector and third sector, not really much to do with your driving, to be honest. So it's all about that first sector, and I think Valtteri is going to nail that. Um, he has shown plenty of times how great he is at qualifying. So I think he's going to qualify high, and I think he's going to pull off P3, which is an absolutely shocking, bold prediction, but I see it happening. I got Perez and Science right after them. And as for Mercedes, um, I'm going to say they underachieve. I'm going to say they score less constructors points than Alpha in the race, which is already a bold prediction as it is. And I was, I want to make a bold prediction for every race as well. So I'll make another prediction. It's a lot less bold, but I'm going to say the bottom six will remain the same. All Mercedes powered cars. And I think the reliability for the Red Bulls will fix itself. And I think both Red Bulls will score uh, near the very sharp end of the grid. And uh, yeah, so that that's my that's my predictions for the race. You heard my surprise demise, uh, sorry, my prize demise and surprise. I uh, talked a little bit about Red Bull's um, horrid race, Mercedes power being potentially a problem, reviewed the race. Uh, so that that's going to do it for the Stoffel Van Dorn episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back for episode three next Monday after the conclusion of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix back-to-back night races to kick off the season will ferrari extend their lead i can't wait to find out until next time goodbye